0: Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. Joining Tom and myself tonight is Mike Caps, the play-by-play announcer for the Round Rock Express and author of the book Grinders. Mike, thanks for coming on.
1: Rob, I'm going to tell you, it is exciting. I've, I've watched some of your podcasts, and it, you two do a great job. And, and it's really exciting for me to be on. it. I've got so many friends there in Houston and, So many friends out in baseball, just that are not necessarily Astros fans that watch to keep up with the Astros. So it's it's real exciting for me to be on with you, and I'm really really pleased you
0: chose me. I appreciate that. We we're glad you're on. Uh, Before we get started, oh yeah, this is the first question. Let's get to it. (laughs) Okay. So last season, I I read this researching you. You called your three thousandth game for the Round Rock Express. how does it feel to reach that milestone? And also, you're you're the only one that they've ever had in the history since 2000.
1: Well, you know there have been a couple of substitutes when I had to be gone. I haven't missed. I've missed six games over 23 seasons. Wow! So um, it, it's. I tried to think of it as. Um, I didn't chart this day by day. The PR people in Round Rock did that, and they put on a great little ceremony for me in uh, on April the twenty fourth of last year. I didn't start out trying to do three thousand games. I got out of the news business. I just needed to get out. I would had some. I had, had had some real serious mental issues, uh, having seen people blown up from the time I was a young cop beat reporter in Houston all the way through CNN covering wars and stuff. And, and I, it just came to fruition. I just, I, I just exploded inside, and had to go get rebuilt. And did. And baseball is such a huge part of it. And I've always given thanks just to be able to do it. You know, it's, it's. Uh, I've had, I've had the chance to fill in for the Astros, fill in for the Rangers, and fill in for several games on ESPN Radio, Major League games. So it's, it's, it's a blessing to get to do it, given where I came from, and the news background that I came from. that put me in. I hate the term harm's way, but it did uh, for so many years. And gosh, it's a blessing to do it. And 3000 somebody asked me that, well, Albuquerque was there, and Albuquerque's announcer is also a published author. He said, are you going to go for 4000 I said, that's six more years, and I'm, I'm 71 going on 35. So let's see, I'd be 70, whatever. Uh, I'd be 41. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> it's going to take six more years, and I, I'd be up for that. He said, well, What about 5,000? I said, What about you taking this money I'm going to give you and go buy a beer and leave me alone?
2: There you go.
1: 5,000? I, I mean, I, that's that's a lot, but you know what? I, I found through life that when you find your passion, and this obviously you can ask my wife and kids and grandkids, this obviously is it for me because it, I played in college, had a chance to sign, and didn't. And it, it God just takes us through such miraculous uh, experiences and it just came back to me in, in a special way. And gosh, if you think working for Nolan and Reed and Reese Ryan, is special to me. It really, really is.
2: So Mike, I got to know, uh, obviously you had the background with the broadcasting and stuff like that with, you know, the news, but how did somebody get into like calling major or minor league baseball games? is that like you just go apply for it kind of show up to the ballpark hey i want to do this you got to know somebody how did that how did that happen
1: it is such a long story it probably deserves a book but i'll I'll try to give you the cliff notes version i was raised uh in a town of 1500 and to take you through a quick journey uh the weekend that kennedy was assassinated i was 12 years old and i had already been in bill mercer's broadcast booth doing minor league games in dallas fort worth he and he and my dad were great friends uh so i was comfortable in a minor league baseball booth i was more comfortable on the field playing all the way through college back up 12 years old walk in i was invited in my dad and i were invited into the cbs affiliate newsroom in dallas the day after kennedy was shot and the way this thing worked out uh a fellow that we just lost about four years ago a guy named bob huffaker was a reporter there and he said there he said i you know we've been hanging out with your dad uh deer hunting uh, up in fairfield for years and here you are 12 years old and you're walking around and it's chaos it's utter chaos it's the day after kennedy has been assassinated these reporters just running crazy cigarette smoke when everybody was smoking in those days throwing film cans trying to get film processed and on the air and he said you're as cool as a cucumber asking questions you know what Three guys, Eddie Barker, Bill Mercer, who at 96, almost 97, is still alive and still has the voice to do games, but and and he's done games with me forever. And and a guy named Eddie Barker were instrumental in bringing me along. And when I got out, when I left CNN, I called Bill up and I said, I'm going to do baseball games. He goes, I'll put you through the paces. Two phone calls after I decided to do it. I was at spring training promoting my first book, The Scout Searching for the Best in Baseball. The scout who discovered Red Murph had also scouted me and wanted to sign me, and I didn't go with him. Uh, That second book just prompted – the first book prompted so much. And I made two phone calls after I made the decision to quit what I was doing and 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 get into that business two phone calls later i'm the voice of the tyler wildcatters in the texas louisiana league (laughs) and that was like 90 some games well by then i'm i'm like i I, am like a a red snapper out in the bay i'm hooked man I I right in there (laughs) and and away i went the next year i'm working triple a the next year after that i'm doing fill-in games for espn and uh, the Ryans came along and hired me at the winter meetings in 98. And uh, I had to I had to do something for a year. I was living in New York City. Uh, so I did Atlantic League games in Atlantic City and just kept going and kept going and kept going. And it's just – I don't know any other
0: way to put it other than it's a joy ride, you know? So what sort of prep work do you do for each game? I, I read that it's a lot. Well,
1: it, I got into this – I, I had a long chat with both Mercer and the late Ernie Harwell. Ernie Harwell used to, I would send him tapes and he would critique them and I'd get these letters back and I just, Ernie Harwell was one of my heroes. God rest his soul. And, and I, I said, how much pregame prep do you do? He goes, how much do you think it'll take? I said, well, uh, I'm a workout fiend, and, but I believe in being present and in the present, when I'm doing these games, he said it's going to take you four or five hours. So it's if you count the workout, it's it's seven because it's two hours of workout every day, and then it, it takes. Well, I'm going through newspapers, uh, the Austin Statesman, and all sorts of websites that have Astros and Rangers and whoever we're playing. I just I'm trying to keep up every day. Now I might not use. of this, but it's there if I have to have it. And certainly I I do profiles on each one of the players. And there are a lot of websites where you can go to get information for that. But I I was doing that when I just on a part-time basis, just fiddling around with it uh, in war zones when I could get onto a computer someplace. So it's just a part of who I am. And so it's not any big deal. It's just, it's what I need to do up here be ready to use this and these every day and it's just it's it's just a it's
0: i'm stealing money boys i'm telling you that. <laughs> well we would both love to do what you do i can tell you well
1: that. Well, well you better come see me in around or, or when i'm in sugarland that's even better for you
2: I'm looking forward to it i'm right down the street Be more than glad to have us. And
1: and isn't that great that the Astros were able to get Sugarland and and get that thing going. Cause it's, there's, we, we play in front of pretty good crowds in there every time we played over these last two seasons. And and I like what they're doing and I love what we're doing in Round Rock. And so wherever you decide to come. uh, So speaking of that. Yeah.
2: uh, One of the things that I kind of always wondered, what's it like traveling with the team? Do you have like a, A ballpark you're dying to go to, a ballpark you can't stand to go to. And then, (laughs) is there, (laughs) and then on top of that, is there like a a play, a player, something like that that you kind of like that's always with you? Uh, You know, just something that happened in all your travels where you're kind of like, man, that one play or that one player is just always going to stay with you.
1: You know, we've been blessed because when we started the Round Rock Express in 2000, we won the Texas League championship as an Astros affiliate right out of the gate. So the bar was set pretty high, okay? Uh, I still talk to Morgan Ensburg. I still talk to Colin Porter, uh, those kids that, that played on that first team. And it's just – it's developed that way. But talking about travel, I always thought uh, – and I, I early on in our AA days, I got off the bus and drove myself all over the Texas League. Because I'd rather have – it takes me two to three hours to wind down after a game anyway – and, and usually those trips are not over eight hours, so I can get in the hotel room way before the guys are even there, and I get eight hours sleep. Uh, 3 a.m. wake-up calls for 6 a.m. flights to SeaTac, to Seattle, to play Tacoma. Those are, those are sort of weird, but, but, but we do that in order to get there in time, uh, plenty of time to get the kids a nap and go to the ballpark and play. I don't have any places I don't like to go. I mean, stealing money. I, I got work. It, thank you. And I, I got, I got workout gyms in the other 15 uh, cities that we play in. So I'm getting off an airplane. I'm not going to go check in the hotel. I'm going to work out. Then I'm going to come take a nap, drink a couple cups of coffee and, and head to the park and do the game. That's, that's, that's nirvana to me. You can ask my wife. She said, hey, he doesn't get his work out. He's grumpy, and nobody wants to be around him. So <laughs> she's been around a while and understands how it works. But, but I, I just need all that. So so to find any negatives for me in travel, you got to remember, I spent a lot of years going in and out of war zones covering news for CNN. And so this kind of travel compared to that kind of travel and getting shot at when you're heading out where you're going, nah, I take this any day. Get an occasional foul ball and maybe hurt your hand a little bit when you try to snatch it. Other than that, it's all good.
0: So when you go to uh Sugarland, you and Tom can work out. He's, he's quite the workout kind of guy. I'm not. Oh, Tom likes working out, but I, I don't. Okay. Well, that's, but hey, to each his own. I like to walk. <laughs> <Or> to <laughs> hey, walk. hey, just keep doing that. That's yeah.
1: uh, Listen. I used to, I ran a whole bunch of marathon. I ran the Houston Marathon seven times when I was working at Channel 2. Uh, but I got to tell you, I don't want to do that anymore. I just think it's it, it 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 taxes my hips and knees and ankles to the point where I'll, I'll run sprints and walk. And I've got, I've, I've basically got my own gym here. At, at, I turned to what the previous owners had as a bar. I turned it into a gym. Now, I left the refrigerator because I got to have my lone star, right? So <laughs> I just knocked myself out in the off season, knocked back a couple of lone stars, and I'm ready for dinner. <laughs> All right, let's talk about hey, your I'm book. Enjoying. I'm enjoying oh. this, guys.
0: Really getting a kick out of this. You guys are great. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. So let's talk about your book now. Yes, sir. Um, what made you decide to write a book? I get, you already answered it. See, you already answered this question. This isn't your first book, right? No, it's not. But, but this book is special. This book takes us
1: back, and, and when you read the intro, you're going to know exactly, you're going to have heard part of the story. My grandfather was a Pittsburgh Pirates prospect going into World War I. He got himself, unfortunately, the way the attrition was in World War I. He moved from Signal Corps to calling artillery rounds in the Battle of the Argonne Forest, the, the Meuse argonne Offensive. Look that up. People have forgotten about that. That was as bloody as it got. And he, the Pirates had told him, don't go home to Sheffield in northwest Pennsylvania. Come to the ballpark in Pittsburgh. We'll put a uniform on you and see how you're doing. Well, he stumbled and stumbled and stumbled. Couldn't play anymore because he lost hearing. Called an artillery rounds. But he took me to the old ballpark in Dallas, Burnett Field, which was right across the Trinity River from downtown Dallas. This thing's been gone since 1965. But I sat there with him night after night after night. I, I would go and stay with my grandparents in Dallas after my uh, Little League season or Pony League season or high school season was over. And we we go to the ballpark. And he'd sit. And 1959, I'll never forget this. And I write about it in the book. We're, they actually did infield and outfield drills before games. We don't do that anymore. It's like, but, but I was just mesmerized by the whole thing. My grandfather says that guy in left field, he's going to be something. I guess he was, his name was Jastrzemski. He was playing for the Minneapolis Millers, the Red Sox AAA affiliate. Dallas Fort Worth in those days was a Kansas city athletics. But I looked at his score sheets and he had check marks beside like six names from Minneapolis and like four from Dallas. Forward. I said, what are those check He said, those guys are going to be going back and forth between the big leagues and AAA. And you're going to see their names in the box scores. He said, they're not the big stars. They're the engine that drives baseball's bus. That banged around in my head for 60 years, literally. And in January of 18, I woke up in the middle of the night, turned the light on, and my wife going, what are you doing? I'm, I'm writing notes about drives baseball's bus and that became grinders baseball's intrepid infant which and thank god for branch ricky the third branch ricky who was the president of the league and he said if you don't call it he said baseball's intrepid infantry is perfect because that's what they're bouncing back and forth and the tails are crazy what some of these guys have gone through um freddie patek for instance from seguin texas five four most of the scouts Red Murph included, my cousin Billy Caps, who signed a whole boatload of guys out of Texas and Oklahoma. Too small, too small, too small. When Freddie Patek made it to the big leagues, Red was at a game uh, somewhere Kansas City Royals were playing, walks down on the field, puts his arm around Freddie and apologizes and said, I'm sorry. We all thought you were too small, and it's obvious you aren't. But that's, that's, these are the kind of stories. We tell stories of guys. Well, Deacon Jones, that was the Astros coach, uh, hitting coach for a few years, who works out in Sugar Land, still to this day. He's in his 80s. But did you know he played in the Jim Crow South? When they, when his team had stopped on a ro- in a roadside cafe in Georgia to get a sandwich, he ran inside. It was all white people. He had a shotgun put to his throat, scared him half to death. The next time they stop, he calls his mom and he says, They did this and this. Dad grabs the phone and says, Deacon, you there? I said, Yep. Yeah. Said, Deacon, you are not to allow any man, red, white, green, brown, I don't care, any color man, to stop you from your big league dreams. And you quit crying. You got it? Are you are you stopped crying? Deacon said, Yes, sir. Deacon will tell you to this day. In the interview we did, he said, that's the day I became a man. This is some powerful stuff, guys. You know, it, this these are guys who maybe didn't have it. They're not the four guys on the one side of the locker room who are driving Bentleys. These are the guys who are going back up and down. Yeah, Major League Men, they gr- make great money. but This, this is a rougher road. It's a different road. And this book explains a lot of it and what guys went through to, to, to get there.
2: So I guess for me, uh, it sounds like this book is a, is a real compilation of a lot of different stories, some of the players' experiences, things of that nature. 43. <laughs> is there one in particular that's your favorite?
1: There's about five or six, but let me just give you a couple of highlights. Jeff Fry, who played for the Rangers and for the Boston Red Sox, was is about my height. He's about 5'9". He, he was playing for Southeast Oklahoma. And he was invited to a tryout camp, a Rangers tryout camp. And before two days, three days before this tryout camp, he's out at Lake Texoma and he slices open his left hand. Okay. So you know what he does? He gauzes it up tight as he can, puts a rubber glove over that, his hitting glove over that, and away he goes. And the scouts who had watched him uh, in games said, there's there's something missing on the left side of your and they said, What's going on? Well, blood seeping out of this out and, and they go, the scout who ultimately signed him, um said, Look, if if this this is your this was your shot, wasn't it? I said, Yeah. He said, Well, anybody who'd come to a tryout camp with a sliced open hand, bleeding like a stuck pig, we got to sign. 11 years in the big leagues, 290 batting average. That's Jeff Fry. Um, I told you about Patek. Um, Brian Mazone, name you never heard of, right? And people could see, I don't know any the I'm I'm reading this but I don't know it. That's the point. I don't necessarily want you to know him. Mazone when when Tom House, the ex uh, Rangers pitching coach who brought down the wrath of all old-time scouts using analytics way back in the 80s. Saw this guy. He said, there is no way this kid's going to ever pitch outside of high school. Well, he pitched and did pretty well at San, at University of San Diego. Got signed in Independent League Ball. Independent Mexico. Independent Mexico. Catches on uh, with the Phillies organization and battles through. Becomes an all-star in the International League uh, 10, 12 years ago. It is going to have his first start, right? He's going to start in Philadelphia. So he gets called. He's in He's in uh, Syracuse. He's got to drive from Syracuse to Philadelphia. Gets out of the car. It's raining. It rained all night, all the next day, and he didn't get his start. But he kept playing, went to Korea, and made a living. And now he and his wife have raised two sons, and one of them is playing at Washington University in St. Louis. And this guy does not carry a grudge. He said, I love this game too much. I came too far to hate it. What are you talking about? I mean – this is down home stuff, guys. It's really down home stuff, and I did a lot of research to make sure no book like this has been written before I ever wrote it.
0: You got any chapters on any former Astros? Deacon Jones well, is, you said he was our.
1: Deacon is Scipio Spinks. There's—I don't know if you've ever met Scipio, but you got to make it went. I'm going to have him look for. I, I, we'll exchange some telephone information. You got to meet Scipio. This guy is – he's a man's man, number one. After he finished in baseball, he tore up a knee. I mean, he threw as hard as Siever did. I mean, a lot of scouts will tell you that. And um, Harry Walker and Scipio didn't see eye to eye. And you can go back and look at Harry's history and Scipio's history, and you'll understand why. But but Scipio made it, tore his knee up, didn't hate it when he was done with it, and was a scout for – the Astros and the Diamondbacks for like 30 some years. And he's retired there in Sugarland. He and Deacon go to lunch as much as they can. So, but I've known Scipio. He, he's been, I, I first met Scipio when I was a young cop beat reporter at channel two. And there was some, this is not in the book. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'm not going to throw Scipio under the bus over this, but, but we've been friends for gosh, what is it now? 45 years, something like that. But there, the human aspect of this is so inherently baseball and so inherently courageous. I mean, can you imagine? Um, oh, uh, there, uh, Alan uh, Zinner. Remember Zinner? He had he got called up his first major league call after 15 years in the minor leagues. He was the number one draft pick of the Mets, and just bounced around. He gets the Astros organization. He's playing for he – he's playing in New Orleans. right? This is like a year or two before we took over the AAA, and he gets his first major league call. and gets a home run in the few days he was up. Alan Zinner is one of the best – he, he just was fired as a hitting coach for the Cincinnati Reds. But this is a baseball lifer. Number one draft pick. Could have just said, heck with it, I made the money, I'm out of here. No, 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 no. That's not the way he was raised. That's not the way his dad raised him. His dad had played at the University of Minnesota. But, but the whole story to him is, I'm not giving this up. I need to call him. I'm glad we talked about him because he, he, somebody is going to get a really good hitting coach, whether the Reds liked him or not. He was there three years. And I'm saying, as bad as the Reds are, if you were the hitting coach there and you lasted three years, you're a pretty damn good hitter, mm-hmm. and hitting coach. And Zinner was and just a great guy. See these 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 kinds of stories just just resonate with me. Jack McKeon, everybody knows Jack McKeon, uh, Trader Jack. Remember from was the manager for the Marlins, at age 72, was the oldest manager ever to win a World Series. He had he he played. 15, 17 years, then became a player manager, showed up at two different spring trainings for two different organizations. They promised him a managers slash player job. And they said, We got no job for you. What are you talking about? But you think that led he didn't quit. He didn't get mad. He's kept going. And he's over 90 years old now, and he's on the, he's on the he, he is a and a, a, a special assistant for the Washington Nationals just crazy stuff great stuff
2: lucky so, to so it sounds like this book may not be the last book are there plans to write another one I mean it sounds like you got tales for days
1: I do I I do I do I've got I've got one that's almost in the can and ready to go that's just uh, faith-based grinders that and and that those stories in and of themselves are crazy crazy good. I I turned in 471 pages to the publisher and he had a, he had an aneurysm almost blow up on him. And I had, I spent the last two months. uh, He gave me, this was November the 14th last year. He gave me two months to finish this thing and get it cleaned up. And and I just made it. And he said, uh, well, what happened to the grinders in grace? I said, well, you made me cut something and I had to cut, parts of like four chapters to get and it's I think it ends up 394 404 something like that but it's a quick read and and I'm proud of it so yes sir to answer your question that was that was taking you around the barn and say yeah mm-hmm. we've got we got some more ideas and and I've got the uh, this is uh, the co-author on this is a fellow named Chuck Hartenstein who was an all-American pitcher at Texas and then had a 15 year career as a minor league up and down pitcher and, and he was a major league pitching coach in in Milwaukee and Cleveland I believe he died uh the last day of the season in 21 but I but I had told his wife who who went who passed away six months later uh, that no, as long as I was going to do grinders, Chuck is always going to be the co- listed as a co-author. My cousin Billy signed him for the Cubs. So Chuck's just like, a, or, or was just like a family member. So yeah, we, we, dude, we got stories and it's, it's, it's fun to compare and what, and listen to some of the stories that go on in, in these clubhouses. I don't hang in clubhouses much because I think, I think these young guys need their space and they don't need a guy with gray chin whiskers hanging around and, and <laughs> asking them questions all the time. Uh, so, but but yeah yeah we we have plans and the publisher and I will sit down after we finish. I've got so much marketing to do yet on this. The first book, the publisher took over and did the whole marketing uh, thing and got us on radio stations. Unless you're a New York Times best selling author now, they don't do that anymore. So. Uh, here's me calling up the uh, talk shows all over the place. Can I be on your show? Shut up. You know, and, not, not really. It's not that bad, but, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's like, we're a little bit out of season, but I've had, I've had some good runs from some network TV people who may want to do some stuff on the morning shows. And once we get back towards spring training, and I'll tell you uh, the, um, Sabre chapters in Texas have been great. Society for American Baseball Research. I mean, ours over here is Rogers Hornsby that I belong to. They, they've been tremendous. The Larry Durkert chapters had me over twice to talk to him about the book and, and about baseball in general. And then we just finished a book signing up in uh, Frisco. And the guy who is the uh, Ernie Banks and Bobby Bragan chapter head, got a bunch of his people out and, and uh and came to see me so we're we're put we're pedaling this tricycle as fast as we can go man that's all i know to do you know
0: i have two things to add sure I, I had interviewed a a guy that was in the minor leagues with the astros that never got the call up and we're talking about guys that go up and down and up and some people yeah. you know they may think like man, what a bad career! Like you just can't stay up there. But this guy just said, "I just wanted one at bat. It's all I wanted," and he never got a chance.
1: You're going to read about that same thing, same kind of thing in a book. And and the the Do you know Do you know about the Hairston family, Jerry? <laughs> uh, okay, the Hairstons are one of three or four, three generations. Old Man Sam uh, was a young black player in the Negro Leagues. Got signed by the White Sox. His son Jerry Senior became a 17-year big leaguer. Jerry's sons Scott Hairston, who played in Arizona, and Jerry Junior, who played 17 years in the big leagues. The two youngest sons, the two sons Jerry uh, Junior and Scott, have sons now. Who are lined up in high school as juniors and seniors, and I've talked to some folks. We may have our fourth generation, first ever fourth, with the Hairstons. And you talk about some great guys. Um, they come, they go to the Negro League Museum every year, and they honor their dad and that. It's it's this and and the story of the Hairstons. It's Sam's story itself is is just crazy good.
0: Another thing I was going to ask you too is sure. You know, you get the idea for the book and you and you talk to all these guys. How do you get how do you get a hold of these people? Like <laughs> it, I try to find people to come on the podcast and I I don't know how to get a hold of people. How do you, what do you what listen do you to get? me?
1: You, we need to talk because I can help you out with some of this stuff. Seriously, Rob, I'm I'm not making this up. You 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 two do a great job of this and I'll help you any way I can. Um uh, I I guess part of the deal is having great chin whiskers and being around a while. Uh I'm getting them. I'm getting you, them you but you're going to get there and and you're not going to believe the difference you know people you, you you can just get away with a lot of stuff <laughs> people say oh he's old and, and, and he's old and cranky well i'm not old and cranky i'm i'm 71 like i said going on 35 but here's the deal it, it's it's just a rolodex that i built up over going on 28 years in minor league baseball and 22 or 23 or 24 years in the news business. And some of those uh, some of the situations in news have ended up as baseball. I mean, that's, that's how I met Rick Mundy. It's how I met Larry Durker. Uh, I, Durker's throwing a no-hitter at the Dome in 76, and I'm a young cop beat reporter, and they don't sports. Folks at Channel 2 didn't have anybody to send, and they call it, and you go, I'm, yeah, I'm listening to the no-hitter. So I go set my camera up. And I'm asking all the questions. There's a couple of sports guys from the other stations. And I'm listening. I said, and I said to Durker, I said, hey, you switched over to your slider uh, in the seventh inning. Why'd you do that? He goes, who the hell are you anyway? I told him I was a cop beat reporter from Channel <laughs> Two. He said, hey, you know it? I was listening to the game. And Durker and I have been friends ever since. Durker has come over here and done games with me when we were doing stuff on Fox Sports Southwest. And, and he's just wonderful. So you you build these relationships and somebody calls and said, Hey, who's this caps guy's wearing mine. He's out? He goes, Leave him alone. He's 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 all right. So, you know, it's just being a good guy and keeping your business straight and doing great podcasts or doing great baseball broadcasts on the radio or whatever it is you do. And you're not a jerk, and every now and again people like you. <laughs> and yeah. I hey seriously, I'll help you guys out with this. You got you get you get a hole, I'll find you somebody
0: all right okay yeah do you have anything else you want to add
1: no hey you just let me bramble and that's great I, I do a pretty good job rambling it
0: says we got five minutes and ten seconds <laughs> you can you got five minutes and ten seconds to share the anything else you yours. want to share it's it, the floor um, is yours
1: Well, tell you a story this fellow is still in baseball and he started he was drafted by the Orioles out of high school, and he didn't sign. This fellow's name is Lorenzo Bundy. He's one of the great chapters in this book. Mm-hmm. Lorenzo went to James Madison University because his family, were, they were all college kids, and uh, he could not find a job, a baseball job, out of college. And he's beating himself up because he didn't sign, right, when he was drafted by the Rangers originally. So he calls the Rangers. They give him a, a shot for half a season in a ball. He tears it up. They don't want him back. Somebody a Pirate scout had seen him uh, in a game and couldn't find a spot for him. You know what Lorenzo does? He 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 gets on a bus and rides the bus from Virginia to the Pirates camp in Florida. Okay. And they said we got no spot for you. Yeah, but you know such and such recommended me. We got no spot for you. You know what? He said, "Here's here's the deal. What if I pay my own room and board? Will you let me have a shot?" So he did. So guess what he did? He had he 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 rented a flea bag hotel room for about eight ten bucks a night. This is in the early early eighties. Walks six miles round trip. Every day for the workouts at the spring, at the Pirates spring training camp in Bradenton, Florida, freaking makes the team gets all the way up to AAA, and he, he realizes he's not he doesn't have the foot speed to do what he needs to do, so they send him to AA to coach Marquise Grissom and uh, Delano to Shields. Personal assistance. Both of them make the big leagues. Lorenzo is he's 70, he's a year, two years younger than me, seventy. And he is managing the double A White Sox in Birmingham, Alabama. He's been the manager of the year in Mexico winter leagues for like sixteen times. He's he's managed and played in Mexico and everybody he he's been a, he's been in the big leagues he's got an, he's got a big league times for for a decent pension all because he was willing to walk back and forth and pay his own way i mean you see what i mean it's just this it's it's crazy stuff crazy stuff grinders man
0: you gotta i'm gonna grind. order the book as soon as we're done
1: okay <laughs> it, it, the best that's the best way to do it uh, barnes and noble has it but but uh, Amazon will get it to you tomorrow or next day if you order.
0: I saw it on Amazon. I'm going to get it. Well, sounds and, amazing.
1: And I'll be down to talk to Larry Durker's chapter uh, sometime in January, and I'll let you know when you come over and I'll sign it for you. How's that? All righty. Okay. I, I actually live in San Antonio. Hey, well then, hey, we're in business because <laughs> I got I got in laws in San Antonio. We got to stay. We got. We got to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll hook up some uh, at, at some Mexican restaurant slash bar, emphasis on the bar, and I'll sign it for you. <laughs> How's that? Will that work? That, that sounds awesome. Yep. My in-laws actually let me hang around with them. They're, that's that's good. They're great people. Right there in San Antonio. Yep. So, All right, you, that's you know it. you me, man. You're great. This is so much fun.
0: <laughs> well, we're running out of time here on our 40-minute free Zoom call. But, Mike, we appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun. Listen, both of you, you guys are the best. Just keep
1: keep, keep rocking and rolling. And if you get in a bind and need somebody, I'll help you find somebody, okay?
0: All you got right. all the numbers. You got all the way to reach me, okay? All right. Tom, okay. you can say bye. You've been quiet for a little while. <laughs> Tom?
2: Hey, I'm just sitting back here enjoying the show. This has been great. Mike, thanks so much. This has been a whole lot of fun. I love to hear all the stories. I too am going to grab that book. You as do it. As we're done here. You and do if it. you're in Sugarland, I'll be looking for you. Well, you uh, we'll, look we'll go at, to the,
1: watch the schedule and just uh, get get my number from him, and we'll hook up. Okay,
2: definitely. Only we'll go to a bar that may have I, a I restaurant in it.
1: <laughs> well, it, it, that's that's where our hotel is, it, it, right
0: downtown Sugarland. We're all good. It's all Perfect. good. All right, folks. We'll there. see you next time. if we run out of time. Blessing, <laughs>